0: I don't want to be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free, so you could hear the truth. Yeah, all that we all have fear. Hello, welcome to the Truth for Youth podcast, the podcast that preaches truth, that teaches truth, that speaks truth in a world full of lies and mistrust and half-truths. This is where you come to hear good biblical truth. Guys, if you're finding value out of this podcast, please, please, please do me a massive favor. Share it with someone, leave a rating, leave a review. That will help this podcast grow and it'll help it reach other people that could potentially find value as well. All right, so I have a question for you guys to think about. It's a question I've thought about several times because I heard someone talking about it, and I thought I knew the answer, but now I've changed my mind. It's a very deep theological spiritual question. Do you love winning more than you hate losing or do you hate losing more than you love winning by the way I was just kidding about it being a spiritual question I, I used to think that I fell into the camp of I love winning more than I hate losing but I've recently changed my mind maybe maybe I've experienced some losses here uh, I'm getting whipped pretty much in fantasy football right now um, my Auburn Tigers have taken a couple losses this season, made my kids losing some some games. I don't know what it is, but recently I've changed my mind, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that I'd, I hate losing more than I love winning. So what does that have to do with today? Well, today we're going to talk about Satan's playbook. Now, here's the great news, okay? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and hit... The punchline at the very, you know, that we're going to talk about at the very end. I'm going to give it to you right now. Guess what, guys? We are on the winning team. Okay. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, it shouldn't be any surprise to you. We are on the winning team. Okay. So we're going to win. So we don't have to worry about the loss in the end. However, there's a bunch of little games, if you will, or, or or battles in the meantime that we have to participate in. Now, if you're like me and you hate losing. Or even if you love winning, what can we do to help us to have more wins and less losses in life? Um, First of all, if you're not a Christian, you've got to be a Christian, guys. That's the biggest thing that you can accomplish in life is just giving your life to Christ. It's a free gift. It's just your faith. It's your belief that Jesus is the Messiah, that we have one true God that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have everlasting life. Okay, but what about the battle that we face on a daily basis with Satan, who is who is the enemy, right? He's enemy number one. He's constantly attacking. He's constantly trying to get us to, to reject God, to dive into our own desires and our own wants and reject that of God. Well, when we think about sports, okay, I'm a big sports guy. Um, What if you had the other team's playbook? How much of an advantage do you think that would be? Oh, it'd be a huge advantage. You know, just recently I was reminded of this because uh, my sons have been playing Pop Warner football. Well, one of the, the games we just had recently I was doing I was being a linesman we have to kind of do that like an official uh, as part of being a parent you know you have to volunteer so I was out there keeping the downs okay so I'm out there on the lines with the line judges and we are uh, essentially on the other team like when we're a home team we do the lines and the and the plays over on the visitor side so I'm over there. In the enemy territory, and I noticed these coaches, anytime we lined up in a formation, these coaches were telling the players who was going to get the ball, and the majority of the time, they were right, and I was like, dang, these guys have really studied, you know, our, our plays, our game film. I don't think they actually had our playbook, but... They definitely knew the plays that we ran based in the formations that we got in. They would, they would call out the number, and heck, they even knew some of the kids' names that were on our team. They'd be like, such and such is getting the ball. Watch this. This is a pass. This is a run. This is going to the left side. This is going to the right side. And they were calling it all game long. They were super prepared. And I was like, wow. Like, I was super impressed that they knew the plays that well. And uh, when I got home and I was talking to my oldest son about it, he said, Dad, they they knew the plays. He said, I lined up to run he, he pretty much every game he'd been running a same route. It was this post-corner that we'd been successful running all season. Well, he lined up in a formation, and the cornerback that was covering him called it and said, post-corner. He's running a post-corner. Like, he knew based on that formation that he was about to run a post-corner. And sure enough, that's what Micah was running. And the corner didn't bite on the post, if you know what a post-corner route is, you run a post and then you fake the post and cut back to the corner. Well, the cornerback that was covering him, the defender, never bit on the post because he knew it was a post-corner and he was all over it and he defended the ball perfectly. I mean, he was right there because he knew it was coming. And Micah was telling me later that he was calling, you know, the defense was calling all sorts of plays, which I heard because I was over there on the uh, – the opposing team sideline and again what a huge advantage that is when you know the plays when you know the schemes or you know what's coming it's huge and it also reminded me of in baseball i get to be a character coach um, for the venice high baseball team and one of the fun things to do is is usually at the beginning of the game a couple of the players are trying to steal the signs of the opposing team you know, what signs are they giving? Is this a particular pitch? Is this going to be a curveball? Is it a fastball? Is it inside, outside? And then is this a bunt? Is this a steal? And they're constantly trying to figure out the signs, and it's amazing at how good some of these players are and how quick they learn the signs. And, I mean, it's it's really, really impressive. And that's, but that's part of baseball. You're constantly trying to quote unquote steal the signs, and it's, you know, it's perfectly legal, I guess, in baseball, other than other sports. If you steal a playbook or something, then you can get in big trouble, but not the case really for baseball. But again, what advantage does that have once you know what's coming? And again, I know pitchers sometimes they may mean to throw a strike right down the middle, and perhaps it's an it's a outside ball. But if you have a good idea of what's coming, then you are so much more prepared and you're so much more likely to get a victory. So today, we're going to tie that in to Satan and knowing his schemes and knowing his playbook. And I'm basing this off a passage in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It's really kind of the end. It's, Paul's talking here and he's talking about basically forgiving others, but in the end, the the very packed part of the passage says this, I don't want Satan to outwit us. After all, we are not ignorant about Satan's scheming. And here I have a couple variations of that. Because we are well aware of his schemes, and here's another one, we know very well what his plans are. So in the Bible we read that we know the schemes of Satan, okay? Paul knew him, we as Christians know he really doesn't do anything new uh, as far as the big scheme, the big game plan. Um, yet he's very effective. I mean he can, he can keep doing the same thing because it's very effective. It's kind of like on, in football. If you know the other team's going to run it up the middle and you still can't stop them, it's kind of like what Satan's saying. Hey, guess what? I'm, I'm running the ball right up the middle and I dare you to stop me. And we line up our defense and, and sometimes we still can't stop them. However, it is nice to know that that's what the play is and we can continue to prepare and get more successful at stopping Satan's attacks. So what else do we know about Satan? And what are kind of his, his tactics and his strategies? Well, First of all, we know that he is a liar. He is called a liar, and he's called the father of lies. We see that in John chapter eight, verses forty-four. We know that he uses deception. He's constantly trying to deceive people. We we see that in Revelations twelve nine. We we see that in Genesis when he's deceiving Adam and Eve. Uh, he uses murder. He uses temptation. Right? He tempted tem- tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He uses doubt, he can use fear, he can use guilt, he uses confusion, he may use sickness, he may use envy or pride. There's all sorts of things that Satan will use to attack us because he wants nothing more than to mess up God's plans. He wants nothing more than to stop God and to destroy us. He is called a lion that is is prowling and ready to pounce on his prey, right? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he may appear good at times for some people, but ultimately he's out for destruction. He is out to destroy us. He wants to foil God's plan, right? He wants to get the victory. But again, the great news is we get the victory in the end, However, there's some battles along the way, and he's gonna, he's gonna win some of those battles, and he's gonna win some of the people that um, unfortunately are gonna they're gonna reject God and they're gonna go to Satan's side, and Satan's gonna win those little battles. But we as believers, we need to stand strong. We need to resist. And here's a couple things that I want to go over that prepare us for Satan. Okay, so again, if we look back to the beginning of of mankind we have Adam and Eve in the garden and this is where we first see Satan come on the scene right he comes on the scene in the form of a serpent and God had just commanded Adam and Eve right that, that basically they have the whole garden that they could do what they wanted except for this one particular tree the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil and he basically said hey look this is the one thing that I don't want you to to take okay you just don't eat the fruit um Well, serpent comes along, and he begins to deceive. He begins to lie. He begins to to twist the truth because he's trying to get them to sin, right? He's trying to get them to reject God. So he begins to say things like, did God really say not to eat this? Did he? And so he's starting to make them doubt, like, well, maybe God didn't say that. Maybe he said don't touch it, or maybe he said this. Maybe you know, and so all of a sudden you start you start second guessing yourself. And he goes, "Go ahead, try it. You know, eat it. You're not going to die. God, God told you that. He's, you're not going to die. So now he's beginning to lie to them, and then he's trying to get them to to think about good things that could p- possibly benefit them. That maybe maybe God was the one that's trying to keep them from things. So he start going, oh you're going to be a god yourself if you'll just do this. You know so now he's he's kind of playing on their desires and their fleshly um you know uh desires or or wants or needs and he's twisting things. He's he's deceiving them. He's lying to them. And we see that Adam and Eve ultimately they buy into it. They they believe Satan Satan's very he's very witty, right? He's very smart. He's very cunning. He's, he's very persuasive. And if you're not prepared, he'll get you. And he does this all the time with us. He's constantly getting us to maybe have doubts or to question things that we've, we've learned either at church or from our parents or in the Bible. And he's getting us to question those things. Is that really the case? And people will make good arguments that, oh, here's the reasons that's not true, or here's the reasons why that used to be the case in the Old Testament or in the old times, but now it's not the case. You know, now things are new. Now things are different. Um, And and begin twisting those things to where we start doubting and we start believing that that maybe maybe Satan really, maybe he is really speaking truth. Maybe, Maybe he's not as bad as it seems. But ultimately, again, Satan is trying to destroy us. He's trying to, to keep us from fulfilling God's purposes. And he does this, um, again, through, through the different things. Like, no one has to really do much to tempt us to be selfish, right? Like, that's, that's pretty easy because we're all very selfish by human nature, but Satan can play on this, right? And he can, he can move along this and help us to continue to get off the right, to get off God's right path for us by having us give in to envy or lust or impatience or or all these different desires. And and next thing you know, we're we're pursuing ourselves and we're not pursuing God anymore. He also can take good things in our life. He can take things like, like sex, something that God created for good, and he can twist that, and he can make it bad, right, when we do it outside the confines of, of marriage. Or, you know, he can take even things like, um, you know, wealth or popularity that, that in and of themselves are not bad, and he can twist that and make that something bad and something negative. So we've got to be very, very careful, okay, because Satan is constantly looking for what the Bible will say, a stronghold, right, or, or a little foothold. Something that he can kind of get just a little bit of a grip on, and then he's holding on to that. A lot of times that will happen when we have a certain sin in our life that, that maybe we just we, have a, we struggle with. We just can't seem to get rid of it, and we just kind of keep it, you know, kind of this little dark secret of ours that, that we kind of hold on to. We're not ready to give that to God. Well, I'll, you know, I'll give God these other parts of my life, but I'm going to hang on to this one. Well, that that is the foothold, the stronghold that Satan can use to ultimately destroy us. So we've got to be very careful about not letting him have just a little bit. You give him an inch, he's taking a mile. He's going to take everything. So we've got to be very, very careful uh, on, on how we're doing that and what we're allowing into our life because he, again, he's out to destroy us. So here's a couple things that we can do. Um, for one, the Bible talks about the armor of God. What exactly is the armor of God? Is It's the tools that God gives us as followers of Christ to prepare for battle. God tells us, you're entering into a battle, and it's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's a, it's a spiritual battle, and you're going to need weapons, and you're going to need armor. Um, You know, Mac Rush was actually talking about this a little bit in our last podcast. So I'm going to read the passage for you. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of Satan. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and those great evil princes of darkness who rule this world, and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it's all over, you will still be standing up. But to do this, you will need the strong belt of truth and the breastplate of God's approval. Wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of the peace of God. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. And you will need the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Pray all the time. So there you have it. There's, there's the, the armor of God. Now I want to read you another. Um, this is the message version of, of that same passage. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon in the same way Prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and, long, hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters and keep your eyes open. Man, that's some great advice. That is great advice. We need to continually pray. That's how we defeat Satan. We pray constantly. We stay focused on Jesus. Keep our eyes open. Be ready for the attack. Be ready for the temptation. Um, if you have a weakness in your life, Guess what? Satan's probably going to use that, so you probably keep your eyes open when it comes to those types of things. But he tells us, he tells us what the armor is, right? He tells us, you know, we need the the belt of truth. We need the breastplate of God's approval. We need to wear shoes to preach the good news. We need um, the faith. We need a shield of faith. We need the helmet of salvation, and we need the sword of the Spirit, God's word. Those are the armor. That's the pieces of the armor. That's what will help us in our battle against Satan. When he comes at you, we know the playbook. We know what he's going to do. We know the lie. He's going to tell lies. He's going to try to deceive us. He's going to try to twist truth. He's going to try to play on our, our weaknesses. He's coming after us, and he wants to destroy us. But these are the things it says to do on a daily basis. We need to do those things. We gotta stay in God's word. You have to be focused on Jesus. Every day when you get up, you need to you need to be praying. You need to think about God because it can be real easy. The alarm clock goes off. You hop up, maybe you're running late to school or, or work or whatever, and you're you're out the door. And then you're caught up in the day with, you know, issues at school or work or homework or, or sports or something. And Then you're tired and you lay your head down and you go to sleep. And if you're not careful, you've gone through the whole day without really thinking about God and really thinking about um, what about temptation? How is Satan maybe going to attack today? What is he twisting in my mind? What is he getting my desires and, and thoughts after? We have to stay on guard. We have to stay prepared so that we can successfully defend against him. And again, guys, we're going to wrap this up with the positive note of Satan has limited power, okay? We see this in the book of Job and in the situation with Job. God granted Satan just enough, right? But he only can do so much. God is the one that's all-powerful, and God is the victor. We see that in Revelation There will come a day when Satan is cast into the fiery furnace, right, into the the lake of fire, and it's all over. But until then, he does have some power, and he's very persuasive, and he's coming to attack us, and we have to be ready for those daily battles to defend. Because if you're like me, you hate to lose. You don't want to see Satan win, right, not even in the daily battles. So be on Team Victory, right, be on Team God, stand strong, I have faith in you, right? Keep praying and pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Guys, we will catch you in the next podcast. Again, if you have questions or comments or anything, man, my email is listed in the show notes. So hit me up. Just title it Truth For Youth. Guys, we'll catch you in the next podcast. Bye-bye. I don't want to be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free so you can hear the truth. Yeah, I know that we all have.